Hello and good morning. It's Sunday, May 10th, 2020. I am John Fursey and my wife Sarah and I are the pastors here at the River in New York City. And thank you for taking time to watch our online service today. Uh, with the coronavirus, of course, we're not meeting in person right now. So we're doing these virtual church services and we do appreciate your participation. So a welcome to all of you Riverites, whether you're here in the city or you're in our diaspora. You know, we've been hearing from folks who've moved out of New York and uh, nowadays with everything being online, I've uh, been able to reconnect and so that's great, welcome to you. And we know too that some folks who are actually completely new to the river are getting a chance to check us out for the first time through these videos and so that's great too. Special hello to you as well. And let me just say at the beginning, we would love to hear from you. Uh, old or new, comment or write or connect one way or another. We have this saying, it's all about connection. And so please do connect uh, one way or another. I would love to hear from you personally. Uh, you can reach me at john at rivernyc.org. Shoot me an email. I'd love to connect that way. You could take advantage of one of uh, our Zoom meetings this week. Uh, you can meet other folks from the river that way. You can. We'd love to hear from you. And at the very least, please comment here. We'd love to interact with the comments, uh, or at least comment, like, and subscribe as the real YouTubers say. Hey, let me begin by saying happy Mother's Day. Uh, thank you all to the moms and appreciate you. A little, let me do a little survey question here. I like to start with this. How many of you currently have or have ever had a mom? How many people? Raise your hand. I know, I do the same mediocre joke every year, but what are you gonna do? All right, here we go. We have been staying put in one place for several weeks. Most of us are just trying to deal with our personal lives, our family lives, our professional lives in the time of this virus. And with the pandemic, we are all grappling with a sense of uncertainty and vulnerability and mortality and grief. And it seems to me those are the four big things. And they're not really new. They're not a result of the coronavirus. I guess you could say that they've always been a part of the human experience. The thing is, is that we can't avoid them now like we used to be able to do. I don't know about you, uh, but over the decades of my life, I'm, I'm 55 now, I've, I've come up with tons of ways not to deal with uncertainty, vulnerability, mortality, and grief, you know? Uh, but now the virus has made all those things pretty up close and personal for all of us. And these are some heavy things and things that have figuratively and I guess literally confined us and stalled us out. And many of us, I think, are starting to long for some sense of movement, uh, forward motion, a little progress, even though the future is unknown. I mean, I know I'm longing for that. And so we have begun a new sermon series here that we are going to be doing for the month of May, and it's called How to Move Forward When No One Knows What's Next. We're looking at ways that faith can help us move forward at this particularly challenging time of our lives. Now, I should say at the outset, I'm not presenting myself as an expert here, someone who's figured it all out. I, I haven't. Uh, in fact, it's probably a poorly hidden secret that we leaders and pastors and preachers a lot of times we use our sermons not to announce our conclusions about matters of faith, but really to process our own feelings and thoughts and beliefs along with you. And that certainly is the case here. And it's true. I've, I Like for everyone, this has been hard. It's a hard time. And I have felt stalled out in a lot of ways, and it's been a struggle. And so I'm glad that we are tackling this topic together. 
And my big idea for today is a very simple one. It's, I, I just hope to show that Jesus has some tangible help for us as we seek to move forward, even though we don't know what's next. Jesus can help. Now, we are in the season of Eastertide that ends on Sunday, May 31st. That's Pentecost Sunday. And we are looking at post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And so today what we're going to do is look at the very last section of the Gospel of Luke. And it picks up right where we left off last week after the Road to Emmaus story, if you happen to see that video. Um, three days earlier, just to give you the context here, three days earlier, these disciples had watched Jesus be crucified, and now there are reports circulating that he has risen. So here's today's passage from Luke chapter 24. The two disciples from Emmaus were telling their story when Jesus himself suddenly stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you. They were surprised and terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you have doubts in your minds? Look at my hands, my feet. It's really me. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have a body or bones, but you can see that I do. After he said that, he showed them his hands and feet, but they still did not believe it. They were amazed and filled with joy. So Jesus asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of cooked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. Then Jesus said to them, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer. He will rise from the dead on the third day. His preachers will preach in his name. And they will tell others to turn away from their sins and be forgiven. People from every nation will hear it, beginning at Jerusalem. You have seen these things with your own eyes. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but for now, stay in the city, stay there until you've received power from heaven. So, the author, Luke, here, is a medical doctor, he's a physician, and he's concluding his entire gospel here. And there's a lot of interesting things in there. And what I'd like to focus on today are the ways that Jesus offers his disciples some help in these extraordinary moments that they're in. Because, you know, they too, they're in a time of some uncertainty and vulnerability as well. They also really don't know what's coming next. So let's take a look at this passage a little more carefully. And it starts, of course, with this amazing moment where Jesus abruptly materializes in the midst of their group. And the first thing that he says is peace. Peace be with you. May you have peace. And although that's really a simple sentence, it's a greeting, really, I'm going to suggest that it points to the starting place and the ending place of it all. Uh, it's a small word, but a big theme. It's a big theme in the Bible. Really, you could say the overall arc of the entire story of God as told in the Bible, it all begins with and will conclude with peace. I mean, think of how this book starts. In the beginning was God. And what do we see? A God of perfect peace and boundless love brings order into chaos. And then the final trajectory at the very end of days that will be complete peace. You know, they say that the lion will lie down with the lamb. The unity of all things bound together in the matchless goodness of God. The beginning, the end, and everywhere in between, underneath it all, there is peace. 
piece. It's a small word, but huge impact. Only, <laughs> there's a rub. Here's the rub. Peace, as I see it, does not always look like we think it will. It's not necessarily some transcendent warmth. It's not some otherworldly feeling as we might suspect. Peace from Jesus doesn't always mean absence of conflict. Now think about this. When he says peace here, he says, may you have peace. There's an exclamation there, actually. How do these disciples respond? What are, what are they feeling? If you look at the passage, you will see that there are, uh, looks like seven words that describe how they're feeling in this moment. And those words are surprised, uh, terrified, confused, troubled, doubtful, and also amazed and joyful. So put it this way, if Jesus speaks the word of peace as a way of saying now, don't freak out, but here I am, um, it didn't really work out so well um, because what we see here are the disciples experiencing a big batch of mixed and kind of conflicted emotions. In other words, they're being fully human, but that's okay. That's really okay because what we see next is that Jesus goes to great pains to explain that although he is resurrected from the dead, he is still human too. Flesh and blood, body and bones, and yet back from the grave. It is a mind bender to be sure, but he seems to be very careful to affirm that he is in fact still a human. I mean, fish dinner. Uh, what is that other than a complete affirmation of what it is to be a human being? Hunger and fulfillment and sharing a meal. It's quite beautiful, really. So Jesus is affirming here what it is to be human. He lets the disciples feel what they feel, and he reaffirms his own humanity. So I think that puts the notion of peace in a little different context. Here's a question. Is it possible that the peace of Jesus doesn't override or negate or remove a normal mix of human feelings? Is it possible that peace can coexist along with other less calm emotions? Could it be possible to say, yes, I have, I have peace in the innermost place of my heart, and yes, I am also pretty concerned and a little confused. Could it be both and? I will say that that seems quite hopeful to me. That seems hopeful to me personally. I'm thinking about my own life here and you know, every day I wake up and I, and, and you know, I will say that I feel like I'm getting more rest nowadays. <laughs> That's a good thing. And when I wake up, I usually feel okay. I feel a, maybe a decent amount of peace. And then I spend a good amount of time every day reading the news. Um, whew, and it feels like that sense of peace that I began with kind of dries up and vanishes. It disappears as I grapple with the new reality of our lives in the midst of this pandemic. But I find it helpful to think that maybe it's still there somewhere. It's just buried under all the rest of these other feelings that I'm also having. Yes, there are a lot of emotions buzzing around, but peace is still there. And if I take time to slow down and breathe it in, that peace will rise to the surface. That's helpful. Now, next in this passage, Jesus helps his disciples see a much bigger picture of himself and of what God is up to in their world and how they're going to get to be a part of it. And so he says, quote, When I was with you before, 
I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. So what Jesus does here is he sets himself firmly within the context of their Jewish understanding of the world. And he does kind of an audacious thing here, and not for the first time. He claims that he himself is the fulfillment of all that came before. It's interesting to think about this. With the law of Moses, God's people knew that they were special, that they were chosen, that they had entered an eternal covenantal relationship. Now Jesus says, I fulfill that. You are special. You are chosen. I do invite you into this relationship. I now fulfill that, he says. And if the prophets refer to a mystical connection to the spiritual world and a call to purity of heart and a commitment to justice for the oppressed, Jesus says, I am now the fulfillment of that. And if the Psalms, if the Psalms embody a passionate connection to the heart of God, a connection that includes both praise and worship along with uh, grief and lament, both there in the Psalms. Jesus says, I embody that too. I fulfill that. Remember, he did say, I've not come to abolish the old, but to fulfill it. So uh, what you have here is Jesus essentially saying, I am the personification of every, everything good about God that we know from our history from our traditions, from our holy books, the hope that we all share in our faith is found now in me. That is big picture stuff. And then he goes on to give them this expansive view of what God is up to. And he explains that his story is rooted, the one that's rooted so deeply in the story of the Jewish people, is about to transcend the nation of Israel and will impact everyone everywhere. It's, he says, people from every nation will hear it beginning at Jerusalem. So it's no longer exclusive. It's breaking out. It's going to be big. This movement that starts with these 11 disciples will grow to include everyone everywhere. And we're all invited to participate. This, this tiny mustard seed of faith that begins so minute, is eventually going to encompass the globe and will reverberate across the centuries, across millennia. Here we are, still talking about it. That's a pretty big view. <laughs> Those moments like that where we are afforded a big, broad view of the world, that is helpful. One that helps us see ourselves in a, in a bigger perspective, a bigger context, that is helpful stuff. That's something Jesus can do for us. And you know, uh, I, I complained a moment ago about losing, losing my peace when I read the news. But you know, at the same time, I have to admit that I also find it so helpful that I can grasp a larger sense of what's, what's going on out there. That's a real gift. And yes, while a lot of the news is sobering and some of it's scary, there's also a lot of uh, hopeful and encouraging things there as well. So I'll tell you this, when I tune in to Jesus, I always get the sense that he is saying, uh, God is bigger and better than you could possibly imagine. I always get that sense. And you know what? I have a pretty good imagination. So I love the idea that Jesus can help us get a much bigger, broader view. All right, so our tradition here at the river is to try to offer a few concrete ideas of things that you can try uh, things you can try in order to put these big ideas into play in your actual life. So we, we call them practical suggestions. 
The first is this, it's a simple one. Let yourself be human. Let's allow ourselves to feel what we feel. I mean, we are all a mixed bag of emotions, especially in these times. Let's just give ourselves a little bit of permission here. I don't know if you've heard about this phrase, allostatic load. Have you heard this? A friend of mine sent me an article this week all about it. And allostatic load is essentially a way to describe the, the damage to our bodies and our brains from being exposed to a high level of stress for a long duration of time, like two months in quarantine. In other words, there is a perfectly reasonable scientific explanation for this brain fog and this swing of emotions that we go through that we're all feeling these days. So let's be gracious to ourselves. It's good to be human. Jesus says so. That's the first, first suggestion. Let's be, let ourselves be human. The second is this. Think big, but act small. Yes, we do want to capture the, the larger view, but let's keep it simple, too. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in that old saying, uh, what is it? Think globally, act locally. That's pretty wise. And I actually think you see this here in the passage. Jesus, uh, just after he gives them this hugely expansive perspective of the world and their role in the big picture, um, it all ends with a very simple practical instruction. He basically says at the end, all you need to worry about now just, just hang out in Jerusalem. So what did this big, miraculous appearance of Jesus amount to, really? Just stay put. That's it. I think that's actually instructive, that it breaks down to something so simple. I know that we all want to think big thoughts, and we want big breakthroughs. Uh, but maybe one of the answers to the question of how to move forward when no one knows what's next is just to take the next small step. Maybe it's not some grandiose insight. It's just a little thing. You know, nowadays, it could be as simple as thinking, you know, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on pants. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, it's often the tiny things that, that put us into motion. So let's not discount the small stuff. Uh, next, can I suggest a practical suggestion that we share our experience, share your experience. You know, in the passage... Jesus tells his disciples, share what you've seen with your own eyes. You don't need to mount some huge defense. Just be a witness to what you've seen. That's what he tells them. Now, I know when I say that, you might be thinking, well, I don't have any big Jesus story to share. So let, let me clarify. When I say share your experience, I think what I really mean is just share what's going on with your life. What are you thinking about? What are you dealing with? What's going well? What's not going so well? Just find an avenue, a way to share that with other people. It's very, very helpful uh, to you and to others. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. Sarah and I have been in the church ministry world for 30-some years now, a long time. And one thing we've learned is that something very powerful happens when we, we simply share our stories and our own experience with other people. It's powerful. And one of the things I think happens is that it's in the telling sometimes. Many times it's in the telling of our experiences that we begin to realize how Jesus was present. And a lot of times he was present in ways that we don't recognize until we start to explain it in some way. So I'm just encouraging you to find somewhere to express yourself and to sort through these things with other people. It just 
It has tremendous benefits for you and for everyone else too. It's a powerful way to move forward. So I would say this, thank you for watching the sermon. Uh, I hope I've given you some good things to think about. But we all know that the very best stuff happens person to person. Um, so look for ways to do that. You could do it on one of these Zoom meetups that we'll have this week. You could email us. We could, we could chat on the phone old school. You could put it in writing to a friend. Um, whatever it is, please do find a way to share your experience. All right, one last thought. Uncover the peace in your heart. I'm going to say it's there. And if you quiet yourself and if you listen, I am confident that you will hear the voice of Jesus. He's still speaking and he's still saying, peace, peace to you. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for offering us peace. God, we acknowledge our uncertainty and our vulnerability, our own mortality and our grief. It's all there, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you for being near us and holding us together with your goodness and your matchless love. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us move forward. Amen. Thanks, everybody.